Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refilue Tobeja. She's a go-getter. What I want to know is, what's the number one criteria you looked for in proposals and requests for funding? Resilient, without a doubt. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you're a leader. Intelligent, most definitely a thinker. She sets the pace. This is Conversations with Pioneers. We are on season two, and I'm your host, Rifilwe Tobeja. You will find our podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher, and Spreaker, among others. We are all about introducing to you the next generation of innovators, entrepreneurs, creators, thought leaders, the movers and the shakers in different industries. We are coming to you live from the Palms, right next to the famous and busy Curtis Road in Kimberley. And today I'm in conversation with Posse Gift Posse Relay, who has been pioneering the fashion arena in a very unique way by communicating his indigenous background through fashion. He's a top fashion costume and set designer. Kosi is the founder of No Modern Slave by Kosi and co-founder of Joburg's first concept home, Uchai, the village. He's also an advocate for the arts in his home province, the Northern Cape, South Africa. Welcome to the show, Gift. How are you doing? I'm very well. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me, Rishula. Awesome. I'm glad we could finally pin you down and, and, and get you here. Sure. That introduction in itself is pretty intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> it's all you. It can be intimidating. It's all you. So let's let's dive right deep in. You recently got commissioned for your first big costume gig on Blood Sum, which will be mm-hmm. aired on Showmax later this year. First sure. of all, congratulations. Thank you so much, Rufilo. Thank you so much. I think Blood Sam, yeah, that was something that I didn't think would happen, at least not that fast, mm. you know, because I've mm. just recently started costumes. And when mm. it happened, it really, it was, it was a cute surprise. Amazing. How did it come about? And how do you feel about this new chapter? You know, Rufilo, I think I've, I've had this said before, fashion design has always been the priority because I studied fashion, but I knew my mm. work gravitated a lot more to something slightly avant-garde or more theatrical mm. or more costumey. And mm. I remember this one very day, uh, one of the, the guys that lived in my same apartment asked me, are you a costume designer? I'm like, well, not really. I'm a fashion designer, I think, but I, I, I mean, my stuff has a very artistic appeal to it. So I would suppose it's costume. And then he asked me for my portfolio and I literally got a call the next day. Pia, who's an amazing costume designer, he gave me a call and it's like, yo, I really like your stuff, the production you're working with. Your stuff would suit perfectly. Would you like to, you know, come on board i mean i wouldn't say no for the first time just starting in costume as a designer to just get that opportunity based on my work 
I knew that this was probably just for you, Giffen. And mm. yeah, that's when I did it. It was a very, very great production. I mean, there's not much that one can really talk about it because it's not out yet. But yeah. it was such a learning. I mean, I worked with such amazing people who had mm. taught me, held my hand. And it was a very great space for me to create costumes, read a script, design something based on the script. I think that for me was really when I knew this is something that you love, course, and I'm probably going to do it for a very long time. Amazing. You've also indirectly there answered my next question. You know, I was <laughs> going to ask you, how would you describe your style? Because you've been making waves with your indigenous African aesthetics, which you use in your work to advocate pride in one's mm. African identity. Absolutely. You know, the thing is, I think, like I said, and you know, I always talk about my late mom and she was my greatest inspiration and may her soul rest in peace because she passed away. Mm. But I was, I was, mm. I think, growing up by myself, living alone for so many years, you've become so... I have to protect something within me that I know nobody can take away. Hmm. You know, I had hmm. to make power of something that I know I don't have to buy. I don't have to Google this. I don't have to research wow. this. And I don't have to find validation for it. And that became my own personal identity, my own hmm. little truth, something that I know nobody gave to me. It's really what I was born with. And it is innately who I am as an African person. And that became hmm. my craft. It became my talent, it became my gift. So I became very mm. selfish in my truth and how I express mm. it. Yes, of course, you know that being a fashion designer in this commercial space, there's so much that we forced to do. Commercialize yourself, because that's the only way you make money, but then there's fast fashion. There's so many other things that I don't feel it's sustainable fashion and I don't necessarily gravitate mm. towards. And it was important for me to really be so, like I said, selfish in how I express my creativity through arts and through fashion. And that is mm. how I think the momentum is built and people are gravitating a lot to the authenticity of the brand, yeah. which is I'm grateful that it's not something I buy. So I know mm. it wouldn't necessarily run out with developing and understanding and exploring my own indigenous background. That is how I feel to actually express no modern slave and my craft. And it is very, very important, I think, especially now in Africa, that young creatives, that innovators should really align their purpose or they craft with an African type of feel solely mm. that we also do inspire those that's going to be after us to be proud and really not mm. fall for anything because mm. they are really stationed in the African identity. Amazing. Let's talk about your own clothing label, No Modern Slave by Akosi. So No Modern Slave, which is obviously my fashion movement or fashion label, as some would call it, it is exactly that. It is No Modern Slave really just means not allowing round two, you know. Round one, I felt was oppression. Round one was we were told that we need to learn more. We need to become better as black as African people. Round one was a lot of things were taken away from us. Our dignity was taken away from us. You know, we had to trade our pride for just survival. And I think round two, slavery happens mentally. It happens when you have your cell phone in your hand. It happens when your friend looks better than you because you've compared yourself to them. And social media says, mm. compare yourself to people that look better, that are better than you. And no modern slave is really just saying, I will not allow anything exterior to influence me in such a way that I'm doubting who I am. And I wow. hope to take it in clothing. And I'm like... 
because I'm such a stubborn fashion designer, I create the way I create. Everybody knows my work. It's really rough. It's very raw and it's extremely real, I would say. That for me is echoing no modern slavery. You know, you do not allow, whether it's friendships, whether it's people's philosophies, you do not allow anybody to slave you because you seek to stand so firm in your own. That's why you don't fall for anything around you. Mm -hmm. And that is what mm -hmm. I hope to advocate with my clothing label, No Modern Slave. Yeah. Amazing. How did participating in Project Runway SA impact your career and how was that experience like for you? I will never let go of what Project Runway has really enabled me to do the things that I do in terms of granting mm. me the confidence as a mm. designer with, within South mm. Africa. Being mm. on TV, you have two choices. You can either be on TV and be, you know, be really cute for people to love you and for you to get a lot of followers or, or whatever. I think when I went on to that show, it was primarily to maybe show people when they look at my designs, they'll understand why. Because mm. they've gotten to understand the designer's psyche, the designer's spirit, the designer's character, how he thinks and how he creates. And I'm very grateful because Project Runway was that platform for me to really show who I am as a creative. And I saw after that people very much gravitated to me as the artist and then started understanding my work. I mean, I've gotten to a point where somebody doesn't come to me and asking for a white wedding dress and somebody knows wow. they'll definitely call me for an indigenous wedding dress. You know what I mean? Yes. Somebody wouldn't necessarily call me for a normal red carpet event, but somebody would call me for a concept event. And that's based wow. on what they've seen on Project Runway that I do. So I'm I'm very grateful for the show. It still is, it has been opening doors. And I'm one person that doesn't, I become nervous when I get too dependent on something because you might mm. lose it. So what I usually mm. do is find what is it that this thing has helped me with keep that and then use mm. that within other projects that you do. So I've really ran for the opportunity and created opportunities for myself. I think that's what you I've have. done, really created really opportunities have. for myself. Absolutely. I mean, it's not every day a fashion designer expands their inventory to set design, concept design and home decor. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. You're really onto something very great and unique. Tell us about the first concept houses in South Africa, which you founded. I think the word concept home for me is really, other people call it a studio, other people call it production, but I call it a concept or creative home solely because mm. this is a house that I lived in. This is a house because COVID happened and COVID, we all knew that with the first strike of COVID, which was about close to two years now, was it last year? Mm. I remember sitting there, I was at the brink of losing the one place that I had. And you tell me, it always happens with artists when, you know, you can't really meet your bills because things are not going well. And it was COVID. And I had two of my other friends and like, yo guys, can we not just rent a house? We got a house in Melbourne, we rented it. And it was still our home, but every single room within that house was a set. Because mm -hmm. I like conceptualizing or like creating spaces. Every single room was set. And I told them, look, let's use this space as our studio. If there's mm -hmm. an artist who wants to shoot a music video, they can come and, you know, hire a room out. And they can have the room the, as venue space. They can have their performance there. We had Comedy Thursdays, which was hosted by Sfiso Zondo, one of my co-mates who lived with me in the house. We had the empty pool sessions. And that is, was a collaboration with Akuma Agency. They're also one of the biggest, mm -hmm. you know, Pan-African agencies. Where we had the empty pool sessions. DJs would perform in there. I mean, there was a lot of things happening, but it was primarily mm. to grant a platform for other artists who's also going through this whole lockdown thing, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. a platform for them to, you know, to come and perform, to make some money. And it was so collaborative, which is something I'm really grateful for, because that is usually what gets you to your next step to collaborate. So it has really, really empowered me. And I think it's also given birth to so many other things because I've yeah. always loved hosting. I definitely love hosting. I'm always going to be behind the bar, you know, having a nice chat with mm. my 
podcast mm. and cooking something. And Kohai, the village, was also inspired by where I am from. You know, my sister yeah. Paul has the workshop Kokasi and that for me was such a beautiful indigenous village feel. And I needed to bring that element into the city. So it really mm-hmm. had, a, it was a contrast between urban, modern, village, rural, if that even makes sense. That's why you mm-hmm. call it Kohai, the village. So yeah, it was just mm-hmm. a home. It really was a home. Amazing. And is this still on? Oh, absolutely. So Kohai, the village, just because of a lot, like I said, we could not maintain the house no more because mm-hmm. levels became more restricted, yeah. you know. And we then left and I moved to Senten. And now mm-hmm. that I'm here, I turned my new space into Kosi's Posi, which is just Kohai, the village part two. Mm-hmm. So I still have one. I call it the Senten Shabin. So the Senten Shabin is just host. It's my space within Senten. And that's a continuation of the same concept. Have a space that is a studio, that is a gallery where people People come and see my work. They can also come in, you know, for a picnic party. They can come for a chillers with, you know, not a lot of people. Wow. Of course, you will be cooking something. You can book wow. a dinner. Yeah. Just ah. giving you an actual Shabin feel within Santon, which is people's like a Shabin and Santon. I'm like, that's exactly what I like contrast. I think my design principle is imagining a cell phone in a fridge. That's literally mm-hmm. my design principle. <laughs> Amazing. I'd love to come DJ there sometime. I saw that you're doing the things you would be most welcome. I am having an event and I definitely, definitely would like you to come and be with myself. I'd love to come, yes. How did you feel when the Kose Kimono took off in the way that it did? The Kose Kimono, I think I've told some people the story about the Kose Kimono for me. A kimono is literally an overgarment. It's something to yeah. wear. That's actually what it means. It's just something to wear. And I used to be so forced. People would tell me, commercialize yourself. Get mm. something with a retail appeal that people can buy. No, no, no. And that in itself felt like, why should I follow a manual? Why Why should that be the case for why? a lot of me to yeah. sustain myself, you know? Mm. And then I remember it was the one, the first day that I got voted out of Project Runway and I was in Joburg and I decided to make myself this kimono just like very abc kimono using travel print and and the hessian trimming which is my material that people know me for at least for non modern mm, slave mm, and mm. i wore this kimono and i was just in the street and i think went out and whatever and people responded very well to it you know mm-hmm, and i'm mm-hmm. not talking about people that are necessarily artists i'm talking about someone's father you know oh my god mm-hmm. i like what you're wearing mm-hmm. and here you are and i'm thinking maybe this is a bite gift because i, I definitely have a dream to have a piece that has generational durability, something that came from one generation to the other, because wow. Africa doesn't have that. Oh if you look at the all-star converse, right? I'm sure your mm. aunt probably had a converse when she yeah. was young. Or your yeah. so that thing is such and it's and it's remedy one price. It's not the cutest thing. It's just a sneak and it's called the all-star, and it has such legacy value that people yes. people just like wearing an all-star. Mm. We don't have any African garment or item or cap or t-shirt that has the generational value you know and my dream was to have this one piece one name design never change you know the colors might change but it's always going to be called the kosi kimono so the likes of Msaki, the like of Stanislavski and Dudizumagatini, you know, just to name a few. There's so many people that has, you know, liked this kimono, that mm-hmm. has worn this kimono, that mm-hmm. bought this kimono. And people are gravitating a lot to the Kosi kimono. Everybody yeah. wears it, whether you're in the corporate, whether you're creative. And I just like the organic growth of it. I don't do a lot of marketing around it because I feel like it's an item that I really want people to see in order for me to make an advert and, mm-hmm. you know, over-advertise this thing because it's a legacy. It's something that organically, I hope, 
would grow into the minds and into the likes of people, you know. So culturally, I'm very happy that it really is taking shape into what its mission is. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's 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 been pretty cute. It's very overwhelming, but it's it's been pretty cute. I mean, I just work towards I... creating all of them. Mm-hmm. I would love to add this: the Kosi Kimono. There's been 244 Kosi Kimonos constructed <gasps> wow. for the past three years. I made about 220 of those myself. That's a record. And they have no labels on, no CMT. I have been sitting down and making them. And, you know, yeah, I love my custom clients who actually comes to the studio and I do the measurements. Mm, the mm. other ones is just send out. But it's been just me working towards achieving all of these things. Amazing, Kosi. That is so impressive. You've mentioned there Tandiso Mazai, Msaki, Mduduzi, mm. Makatini. Who are mm. some of the other artists or creatives in South Africa that you have designed costumes for? You know, I'm going to be very honest. I think being in the space of the industry, even if it's behind the scenes as a costume or set designer, I don't really even understand, oh my goodness, is this a person? You know what I mean? Because for me, it's really just somebody in the industry that I'm making <laughs> yes. something with. Until somebody says, oh my goodness, you've done this for that person. You know, oh, mm. this is like a person, you know? Yeah. So it has been, <laughs> it really happens. I promise you all the time because you don't necessarily watch TV no more. You are, you find yourself at an event where this person is. You find yourself having this person's number. So this mm. is a friend that's supporting you and you realize, gift this is pretty much a Jesus. But I mm. think the most consistent has been Msaki. I mean, she's one of the mm. artists that has really always believed in my aesthetics. Amanda like there are so many Sanel, people behind Sanel the scenes. Sanal musician, Amifaku. It's been a journey, hey? It's been one, yeah. It's been a cute mm. one. What is it about your childhood that catapulted you into fashion? I mean, you could have done anything, but why fashion? Why why this? Why the arts? Why what you do? I grew up with a lady who made me believe, and she's my mom, that there was something yeah. wrong with my friend's moms. Mm-hmm. I promise you. There was <laughs> I used to be embarrassed by my mom until I realized, oh my goodness, maybe your mom's right, maybe the other moms are wrong. And when I say wrong, mm-hmm. I don't mean they're wrong mothers. I mean mm-hmm. they all look the same. There must be something wrong. There's no way that everybody's house looks the same. Why is mm-hmm. someone's house not different? I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up in a house where every single room looked different different a kitchen was a kitchen but it looked like a set the passage my mom's every single room in a house was designed and i was an only child meaning all the Mm. attention that a woman had to give somebody and she was a single parent was to me Mm. so affirmation and validation already started from a very young age from my late mother Mm -hmm. and Leng was i called a cultural enthusiast because she was Mm -hmm. also into acting and drama and 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 all of that so she had already growing up creative i remember yes i played with dolls because she encouraged me to play with dolls because i like making clothes for them but i also would you know have a glue gun in my hand and i would also be sticking stuff on the wall you know she would also be carrying leaves and let me create something my dad Mm -hmm. who isn't a very cooperative non-creative person an academic he when I lost my mom, all he knew how to do was to ensure that gift us everything that his mother would let him do. Okay. So all the artifacty things, because I'm sure he was overwhelmed. How do I become a father to this child? You know, mm. but he, from buying me my first camera to buying me cassettes for my love of music mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. taking me maybe to a ballet class. All of these smaller things that my dad has really always tried to do to enhance my passion. Mm. So I never, when I, when I was a matric and I applied to study law and I was like, oh, this is not really what I want to do. I knew, okay, if you're not doing anything, I'm just going to continue doing what is being an artist and yeah. creating. 
And then the world teaches you there's a school called fashion school. Then you go to a fashion school. And after finishing, mm-hmm. you're like, actually, I'm not just a fashion designer. This is probably just like a 0.5% of me. <laughs> As I'm growing, I'm learning so much of what it is that Kosi really does. And he's mm-hmm. primarily an artist, which mm-hmm. is loves creating, you know? So, yeah. Wow. And while you're talking about school, I believe next mm-hmm. year you'll be studying costume design in Los Angeles. Yeah, God willingly. So that is, got accepted to study at FIDM to study costume design, which is fashion that specialized in costume. But I'm also kind of thinking of changing my course to go into film because I'm really, really getting yes. a lot to visual. So I might even be mm. doing that. I am still on the verge of looking for funding, you know, still mm. applying, still speaking to institutions. So God willingly, and I trust that it's going to work, I will be heading to Los Angeles to study. You were recently nominated as designer of the year in the Northern Cape. I'm sure it must have felt good to be recognized in your home province and what are some of the several accolades under your belt oh yeah um yes i got i got nominated didn't win the award but that in itself for me was so amazing because only because mm. it's from my home stage you know yes. designer up there and best dress you know all of these other things but that was really really cute for me but i mean a lot of other things that i've done that things that stands out for me that really really makes me proud i was part of the workshop Kokasi, and they once mm. got an award for best culture and lifestyle experience and i know i contributed mm. so much to enhancing the space when it comes to its aesthetics so within the hosting field that really gave me the confidence to start my own spaces that's why you get spaces like the cosy's posy and then the bokema citizens bokeh F- film festival for mm-hmm, my fashion mm-hmm, film i was mm-hmm. also nominee for that top five fashion graduates in cape town by the cape town fashion council it's so funny when a person has to say all of these things because i said i'm like this does not even translate to my bank account but okay <laughs> <laughs> you know um, to be honest with you, Fifi, I stray away a lot from all of these things that I achieve because I have the stupid little dreams in my mind. I have a memory book that I've written mm-hmm. when I was in grade 11 and in grade 12. So I was like 15 and 16. And when I read through it, smart, the, and it would ask, what's, what's your dream in the future? And I would read it. The one would say, I would one day want to be a fashion designer and tell mm-hmm. people that it was my mom to thank for it. So mm-hmm. if you'd ask me, what's your accolade? I would say, I am actually a fashion designer because this was such a childhood dream for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's inevitable. I will always say this. I will always achieve what I need to achieve and what's meant mm-hmm. for me because wow. I maybe have the discipline to be dedicated to the stupid <sighs> dreams that I have in my mind. Mm-hmm. So the accolades will come and go. You'll be lucky for somebody to, you know, have a story about it and becomes this thing. But I never really stuck to this is what I've mm-hmm. achieved and I need to be better all the time. Mm-hmm. If I don't find a challenging dream, dude, imagine going to flip an LA with nothing. I have no one. You do know that I'm literally mm-hmm. a single hustler by myself. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I know I'm, I'm kind of at the ceiling of my own potential in South Africa. Wow. I can't scream. I can't scream louder, friend. I cannot scream louder. Guys, please pay attention to me. There's really something I can do. And I'm like, there's nothing much that I can do. You know what I mean? Mm. All I know is like, I would love to go into a space where I'm so intimidated to the core of myself. Wow. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to learn more. I don't know how to do this. I, I, and, and not that I'm saying America is that space. I'm just saying Africa, if you are sleeping on artists, and I'm not the only one, there's a lot of artists that I feel are being slept on when it comes behind the mm. scenes, people, set designers, costume designers that are being slept on because maybe the agency creators is what we're paying attention to, but the underground ones we don't pay attention to. I'm not going to sit in a petty party and be like, oh my goodness, no. What am I going to do? I'm going to apply to one of the best fashion schools in the world. And if I get accepted, I'm going to ask this government for some money mm. to help me. Mm. And then I'm going to go to LA and go do that. And maybe come mm. back, not maybe definitely come back and be like, you know what? 
I've got this. Let's start the No Modern Slave production and let's have our own mm. production house and let's do this. Mm. You know what I mean? So to answer your question, it is really just internalizing the dreams I have for myself, praying mm. about them and being mm. disciplined to work towards them. Wow. So that's definitely yeah. what's next for you, studying abroad. Definitely. Yeah. I'd and love to expand my horizons. Expanding your horizons. I, I, I really hope it happens. Now, Thank before you. I let you go, let's talk briefly about your work with Soda Studio, Africa's mm-hmm. first studio that specializes in visual experiences. Absolutely. So, so Soda Studio is an amazing, amazing, amazing studio. Uh, they, they based in CBD. I always tell them you're such a diamond in the dirt because it's such a dungy spot where they're situated. But when you go in, it's such a beautiful musical immersive experience and they are of the first people that gives us digital virtual reality when it comes mm-hmm. to performances and sets and stuff like that and when i was asked once to come do one set and i think the first answer did the set for was for urban village mike balkan and he's an amazing creative he was so impressed like you know because i definitely would like us to work on another project together i've been consistent i've been doing sets with so many artists in soda studios so what we do is really just create sets based on the brief and not even a brief an artist i would listen to the artist music, ask how many people are in a band, get the floor layout, and we build a set with my assistant, Wandile, and we'll just build all of these sets. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see how I am also growing within, because I've never really studied set design, if, if I could mm-hmm. tell you that, you know. Mm-hmm. These are just mm-hmm. things that I walk around, I love nature, we get whatever it is we can get, and we build to recreate a story based on a theme song, based on your mm-hmm. album, and then we create this virtual experience, and then these things get streamed to, you know, with Stage It, which is an, a Los Angeles company, and and it's so much of an international collaboration, which I know it yeah. might not bring a lot of money, but it definitely enhances my portfolio, which ultimately mm. is for me to give to a funder and a sponsor and say, hey, mm. I really deserve to go to LA. Please help me. So that collaboration has been amazing in terms of for my, for my uh, set design. Amazing. How do we get a hold of you <laughs> on the socials? So yeah, people could definitely check my work on Instagram at no modern slave at Corsi's mm-hmm. Posi. My personal place is Give Torsi. Or you can definitely just Google No Modern Slave. There are a lot of details on it for any of my work, for sets, for mm. just creative directing, for conceptualizing things. So the services mm. are really there. And I am working with other people. So I'm also not just me, myself, doing this as a, as a king. There's mm. always a lot of other people that I hold their hands and we're doing it together as a whole team. So yeah, that has been, that has been pretty much the journey. That's how people can get hold of me. Whose work internationally really, really inspires you and locally as well? Internationally, it's going to sound like a cliche, but I won't expand why. I'm going to say Kanye West. I'm going to say Tyler, the creator, but I'll definitely say mm-hmm. Vivian Westwood as a designer solely because mm-hmm. legacy, you know, she started punk rock thing. So that for me was legacy and she changed a lot in the fashion game. I'm inspired by her. South Africa. There's so many, man. There's so many designers that I am really like, oh my goodness, I love. I mean, Tebe from home, Tebe Maku was literally mm. one of my favorite designers solely mm. because the narrative is so strong and it really is a legacy that we're becoming addicted to. And I love that. That's really one of the designers that I am. You know, Ken Semasilo was also a very good friend mm. of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, uh, inspiration comes a click away. Sometimes for me, it's just mm. taking a walk in nature. I can't tell mm. you which leaves inspired mm. me or which mm. send. Mm. Being in Kuruman is inspiring to me. I I don't even have to google somebody just go to kuruman for a week and i'm inspired already you know what i mean <laughs> so you know we all know the challenges of the creative industry but what keeps you going what keeps you grounded prayer good friends and fear 
I get excited mm-hmm. when I'm scared of something because I challenge myself. When I get intimidated by something, it makes me excited. Then I challenge myself. When I'm scared mm-hmm. to do something, I challenge myself. And mm-hmm. that is really what keeps me pushing. What keeps me grounded is really prayer. I believe in those mm-hmm. that were before me. I believe mm-hmm. in a God that I don't see. And that makes me maybe mm-hmm. stupid. But that really mm-hmm. prayer is what, what keeps me up. And good friends, ultimately mm-hmm. positive good friends. Mm-hmm. Good friends are important. People who believe in their own dreams and don't mm-hmm. project their insecurities on you. And I'm Amazing. blessed with a lot of good people around me good friends that's really Ah. what gets me there <laughs> I enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much, Kosi. Continue to kick butt and I wish you all the best. Rufilo, thank you so much for this. Eh? Thank you so much. You're I really welcome. appreciate it. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Hit me up on my socials on Twitter and Instagram at Rifilwe Tobeja, Facebook page Rifilwe Tobeja, and on LinkedIn, I am Rifilwe Tato Tobeja. Let's do this again, same time, same place next week. Let's continue to inspire each other to always level up. Level up. I'm out. Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Rifilwe Tobeja.